Welcome to Ratchet Book Club, where we read hood classics and good classics. I'm Derek. 916-633-1537, Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com, Ratchet Book Club on Twitter, Ratchet Book Club on Facebook. Let's go. Chapter 17. For the next week and a half, the boys continued to dig in and around the area where X-Ray had supposedly found the gold tube. They widened X-Ray's hole as well as the holes Armpit and Squid had been digging, until the fourth day, when all three holes met and formed one big hole. As the days wore on, the warden became less and less patient. She arrived later in the morning and left earlier in the afternoon. Meanwhile, the boys continued to dig later and later. This is no bigger than it was when I left you yesterday, she said after arriving late one morning, well after sunrise. What have you been doing down there? Nothing, said Squid. It was the wrong thing to say. At just that moment, Armpit was returning from a bathroom break. How nice of you to join us, she said. And what have you been doing? I had to, you know, go. The warden jabbed at Armpit with her pitchfork, knocking him backwards into the big hole. The pitchfork left three holes in the front of his shirt and three tiny spots of blood. You're giving these boys too much water, the warden told Mr. Pendansky. They continued to dig until late afternoon, long after all the other groups had finished for the day. Stanley was down the big hole, along with the other six boys. They had stopped using the wheelbarrows. He dug his shovel into the side of the hole. He scooped up some dirt, and was raising it up to the surface when Zigzag's shovel caught him in the side of the head. He collapsed. He wasn't sure if he passed out or not. He looked up to see Zigzag's wild head staring down at him. I ain't digging that dirt up, Zigzag said. That's your dirt. Hey, Mom, Magnet called. Caveman's been hurt. Stanley brought his fingers up the side of his neck. He felt his wet blood and a pretty big gash just below his ear. Magnet helped Stanley to his feet, then up and out of the hole. Mr. Sir made a bandage out of a piece of his sack of sunflower seeds and taped it over Stanley's wound. Then he told him to get back to work. It isn't nap time. When Stanley returned to the hole, Zigzag was waiting for him. That's your dirt, Zigzag said. You have to dig it up. It's covering up my dirt. Stanley felt a little dizzy. He could see a small pile of dirt. It took him a moment to realize that it was the dirt that had been on his shovel when he got hit. He scooped it up. Then Zigzag dug his shovel into the ground underneath where Stanley's dirt had been. Chapter 18 The next morning, Mr. Sir marched the boys to another section of the lake. And each boy dug his own hole, five feet deep and five feet wide. Stanley was glad to be away from the big hole. At least now he knew how much he had to dig for the day. And it was a relief not to have other shovels swinging past his face, or the warden hanging around. He dug his shovel into the dirt, then slowly turned to dump it into a pile. He had to make his turn smooth and slow. If he jerked too quickly, he felt a throbbing pain just above his neck, where Zigzag's shovel had hit him. That part of his head, between his neck and ear, was considerably swollen. There were no mirrors in camp, but he imagined he looked like he had a hard-boiled egg sticking out of him. The remainder of his body hardly hurt at all. 
His muscles had strengthened, and his hands were tough and calloused. He was still the slowest digger, but not all that much slower than Magnet. Less than 30 minutes after Magnet returned to camp, Stanley spat into his hole. After a shower, he put his dirty clothes in his crate and got out his box of stationery. He stayed in the tent to write the letter so Squid and the other boys wouldn't make fun of him for writing to his mother. Dear Mom and Dad, Camp is hard, but challenging. We've been running obstacle courses and have to swim long distances on the lake. Tomorrow we learn... He stopped writing as Zero walked into the tent, then returned to his letter. He didn't care what Zero thought. Zero was nobody. To climb rocks. I know that sounds scary, but don't worry. Zero was standing beside him now, watching him write. Stanley turned and felt his neck throb. I don't like it when you read over my shoulder, okay? Zero said nothing. I'll be careful. It's not all fun and games here, but I think I'm getting a lot out of it. It builds character. The other boys... I don't know how, said Zero. What? Can you teach me? Stanley didn't know what he was talking about. Teach you what? To rock climb? Zero stared at him with penetrating eyes. What? said Stanley. He was hot tired and sore. I want to learn to read and write, said Zero. Stanley let out a short laugh. He wasn't laughing at Zero. He was just surprised. All this time, he thought Zero was reading over his shoulder. Sorry, he said. I don't know how to teach. After digging all day, he didn't have the strength to try and teach Zero to read and write. He needed to save his energy for the people who counted. You don't have to teach me how to write, said Zero. Just to read. I don't have anybody to write to. Sorry, Stanley said again. His muscles and hands weren't the only parts of his body that had toughened over the past several weeks. His heart had hardened as well. He finished his letter. He barely had enough moisture in his mouth to seal and stamp the envelope. It seemed that no matter how much water he drank, he was always thirsty. Chapter 19 He was awakened one night by a strange noise. At first, he thought it might have been some kind of animal, and it frightened him. But as the sleep cleared from his head, he realized the noise was coming from the cot next to him. Squid was crying. You okay? Stanley whispered. Squid's head jerked around. He sniffed and caught his breath. Yeah, I just... I'm fine, he whispered and sniffed again. In the morning, Stanley asked Squid if he was feeling better. What are you, my mother? asked Squid. Stanley raised and lowered one shoulder. I got allergies, okay? Squid said. Okay, said Stanley. You open your mouth again and I'll break your jaw. Stanley kept his mouth shut most of the time. He didn't talk too much to any of the boys, afraid that he might say the wrong thing. They called him cavemen and all that, but he couldn't forget they were dangerous too. They were all here for a reason. As Mr. Sir would say, this wasn't a Girl Scout camp. Stanley was thankful that there was no racial problems. X-Ray, Armpit, and Zero were black. 
He, Squid, and Zigzag were white. Magnet was Hispanic. On the lake, they were all the same reddish-brown color, the color of dirt. He looked up from his hole to see the water truck and its trailing dust cloud. His canteen was still almost a quarter full. He quickly drank it down, then took its place in line, behind Magnet and in front of Zero. The air was thick with heat, dust, and exhaust fumes. Mr. Sir filled their canteens. The truck pulled away. Stanley was back in his hole, shovel in hand, when he heard Magnet call out, Anyone want some sunflower seeds? Magnet was standing at ground level, holding a sack of seeds. He popped a handful into his mouth, chewed and swallowed, shells and all. Over here, called X-Ray. The sack looked to be about half full. Magnet rolled up to the top, then tossed it to X-Ray. How'd you get him without Mr. Sir seeing you? asked Armpit. I can't help it, Magnet said. He held both hands up, wiggled his fingers, and laughed. My fingers are like little magnets. The sack went from x-ray to armpit to squid. It's sure good to eat something that doesn't come from a can, said armpit. Squid tossed the sack to zigzag. Stanley knew it would come to him next. He didn't even want it. From the moment magnet shouted, anybody wants some sunflower seeds? He knew there would be trouble. Mr. Sir was sure to come back. And anyway, the salted shells would only make him thirsty. Coming your way, caveman, said Zigzag. Airmail and special delivery. It was unclear whether the seeds spilled before they got to Stanley or after he dropped the bag. It seemed to him that Zigzag hadn't rolled up the top before throwing it, and that was the reason he didn't catch it. But it all happened very fast. One moment the sack was flying through the air, and the next thing Stanley knew, the sack was in his hole, and the seeds were spilled across the dirt. Oh man, said Magnet. Sorry, Stanley said as he tried to sweep the seeds back into the sack. I don't want to eat dirt, said X-Ray. Stanley didn't know what to do. The truck's coming, shouted Zigzag. Stanley looked up at the approaching dust cloud, then back at the spilled seeds. He was in the wrong place at the wrong time. What else is new? He dug his shovel into his hole, then tried to turn over the dirt and bury the seeds. What he should have done, he realized later, was knock one of his dirt piles back into the hole. But the idea of putting dirt into his hole was unthinkable. Hello, Mr. Sir, said X-Ray. Back so soon? It seems like you were just here, said Armpit. Time flies when you're having fun, said Magnet. Stanley continued to turn the dirt over in his hole. You Girl Scouts having a good time? asked Mr. Sir. He moved from one hole to another. He kicked a dirt pile by Magnet's hole, and then he moved towards Stanley's. Stanley could see two seeds at the bottom of his hole. As he tried to cover them up, he unearthed a corner of the sack. Well, what do you know, caveman? said Mr. Sir, standing over him. It looks like you found something. Stanley didn't know what to do. Dig it out, Mr. Sir said. We'll take it to the warden. Maybe she'll give you the rest of the day off. It's not anything, Stanley muttered. Let me be the judge of that, said Mr. Sir. Stanley reached down and pulled up the empty burlap sack. He tried to hand it to Mr. Sir, 
but he wouldn't take it. So tell me, caveman, said Mr. Sir, how did my sack of sunflower seeds get in your hole? I stole it from your truck. You did? Yes, Mr. Sir. What happened to all the sunflower seeds? I ate them. By yourself? Yes, Mr. Sir. Hey, caveman, shouted Armpit. How come you didn't share any with us? That's cold, man, said X-Ray. I thought you were our friend, said Magnet. Mr. Sir looked around from one boy to the other, then back to Stanley. We'll see what the warden has to say about this. Let's go. Stanley climbed out of his hole and followed Mr. Sir to the truck. He still held the empty sack. It felt good to sit inside the truck, out of the direct rays of the sun. Stanley was surprised he could feel good about anything at the moment, but he did. It felt good to sit down in a comfortable seat for a change. And as the truck bounced along the dirt, he was able to appreciate the air blowing through the open window onto his hot and sweaty face. Chapter 20 It felt good to walk in the shade of the two oak trees. Stanley wondered if this was how a condemned man felt on his way to the electric chair appreciating all of the good things in life for the last time. They had to step around holes to get to the cabin door. Stanley was surprised to see so many around the cabin. He would have expected the warden to not want the campers digging so close to her home. But several holes were right up against the cabin wall. The holes were closer together here as well, and were of different shapes and sizes. Mr. Sir knocked on the door. Stanley still held the empty sack. Yes, the warden said, opening the door. There's been a little trouble out on the lake, Mr. Sir said. Caveman will tell you all about it. The warden stared at Mr. Sir for a moment. Then her eyes turned toward Stanley. He felt nothing but dread now. Come in, I suppose, said the warden. You're letting the cold out. It was air conditioned inside her cabin. The television was going. She picked up the remote and turned it off. She sat down in the canvas chair. She was barefoot and wearing shorts. Her legs were as freckled as her face and arms. So what is it you have to tell me? Stanley took a breath to steady himself. While Mr. Sir was filling the canteens, I snuck into the truck and stole his sack of sunflower seeds. I see. She turned to Mr. Sir. That's why you brought him here? Yes, but I think he's lying. I think someone else stole the sack, and Caveman is covering up for X-Ray or somebody. It was a 20-pound sack, and he claims to have eaten them all by himself. He took the sack from Stanley and handed it to the warden. I see, the warden said again. The sack wasn't full, said Stanley, and I spilled a lot. You can check my hole. In that room, caveman, there's a small flowered case. Will you get it for me, please? She pointed to the door. Stanley looked at the door, and then at the warden, then back at the door. He slowly walked towards it. It was a kind of dressing room, with a sink and a mirror. Next to the sink, he saw the case, white with pink roses. He brought it back out to the warden, and she sat on the glass coffee table in front of her. She unclasped the latch 
and opened the case. It was a makeup case. Stanley's mother had one similar to it. He saw several bottles of nail polish, polish removers, a couple of lipstick tubes, and other jars and powders. The warden held up the small jar of dark red nail polish. You see this, caveman? He nodded. This is my special nail polish. Do you see the dark, rich color? You can't buy that in the store. I have to make it myself. Stanley had no idea why she was showing it to him. He wondered why the warden would ever have the need to wear nail polish or makeup. Do you want to know my secret ingredient? He raised and lowered one shoulder. The warden opened the bottle. Rattlesnake venom. With the small paintbrush, she began applying it to the nails on her left hand. It's perfectly harmless when it's dry. She finished her left hand. She waited in the air for a few seconds and then began painting the nails on her right hand. It's only toxic while it's wet. She finished painting her nails, then stood up. She reached over and touched Stanley's face with her fingers. She ran her sharp, wet nails very gently down his cheek. He felt the skin tingle. The nail on her pinky just barely touched the wound behind his ear. A sharp sting of pain caused him to jump back. The warden turned to face Mr. Sir, who was sitting on the fireplace hearth. So you think he stole your sunflower seeds? No. He says he stole them, but I think it was. She stepped forward and struck him across the face. Mr. Sir stared at her. He had three long red marks slanting across the left side of his face. Stanley didn't know if the redness was caused by her nail polish or his blood. It took a moment for the venom to sink in. Suddenly, Mr. Sir screamed and clutched his face with both hands. He let himself fall over, rolling off the hearth and onto the rug. The warden spoke softly. I don't especially care about your sunflower seeds. Mr. Sir moaned. If you must know, said the warden, I liked it better when you smoked. For a second, Mr. Sir's pain seemed to recede. He took several long, deep breaths. Then his head jerked violently, and he let out a shrill scream, worse than the one before. The warden turned to Stanley. I suggest you go back to your hole now. Stanley started to go, but Mr. Sir lay in the way. Stanley could see the muscle in his face jump and twitch. His body writhed in agony. Stanley stepped carefully over him. Is he... Excuse me? Said the warden. Stanley was too frightened to speak. He's not going to die, the warden said. Unfortunately for you. Chapter 21 It was a long walk back to his hole. Stanley looked out through the haze of heat and dirt at the other boys, lowering and raising their shovels. Group D was the farthest away. He realized that once again he'd be digging long after everyone else had quit. He hoped he'd finish before Mr. Sir recovered. He didn't want to be out there alone with Mr. Sir. He won't die, the warden had said. Unfortunately for you. Walking across a desolate wasteland, Stanley thought about his great-grandfather. 
not the pig stealer, but the pig stealer's son, the one who was robbed by kissing Kate Barlow. He tried to imagine how he must have felt after kissing Kate and left him stranded in the desert. It probably wasn't a whole lot different from the way he himself felt now. Kate Barlow had left his great-grandfather to face the hot, barren desert. The warden had left Stanley to face Mr. Sir. Somehow, his great-grandfather had survived for 17 days before he was rescued by a couple of rattlesnake hunters. He was insane when they found him. When he was asked how he had lived so long, he said he found refuge on God's thumb. He spent nearly a month in a hospital. He ended up marrying one of the nurses. No one ever knew what he meant by God's thumb, including himself. Stanley heard a twitching sound. He stopped in mid-step, with one foot still in the air. A rattlesnake lay coiled beneath his foot. Its tail was pointed upward, rattling. Stanley backed his leg away, then turned and ran. The rattlesnake didn't chase after him. It had rattled its tail to warn him to stay away. Thanks for the warning, Stanley whispered as his heart pounded. The rattlesnake would be a lot more dangerous if it didn't have a rattle. Hey, caveman, called Armpit. You're still alive. What'd the warden say, asked X-Ray. What'd you tell her, said Magnet. I told her I stole the seeds, said Stanley. Good going, said Magnet. What did she do? asked Zigzag. Stanley shrugged one shoulder. Nothing. She got mad at Mr. Sir for bothering her. He didn't feel like going into details. If he didn't talk about it, then maybe it didn't happen. He went over to his hole, and to his surprise, it was nearly finished. He stared at it, amazed. It didn't make sense. Or perhaps it did. He smiled. Since he had taken the blame for the sunflower seeds, he realized, the other boys had dug his hole for him. Hey, thanks, he said. Don't look at me, said X-Ray. Confused, Stanley looked around. From magnet to armpit to zigzag to squid. None of them took credit for it. Then he turned to Zero, who had been quietly digging in his hole since Stanley's return. Zero's hole was smaller than all the others. Chapter 22 Stanley was the first one finished. He spat in his hole, then showered and changed it to his cleaner set of clothes. It had been three days since the laundry was done, so even his clean set was dirty and smelly. Tomorrow, these would become his work clothes, and his other set would be washed. He could think of no reason why Zero would dig his hole for him. Zero didn't even get any sunflower seeds. I guess he likes to dig holes, Armpit had said. He's a mole, Zigzag had said. I think he eats dirt. Moles don't eat dirt, X-Ray had pointed out. Worms eat dirt. Hey, Zero, Squid had asked. Are you a mole or a worm? Zero had said nothing. Stanley never even thanked him. But now he sat on his cot and waited for Zero to return from the shower room. Thanks, he said as Zero entered through the tent flap. Zero glanced at him, then went over to the crates, where he deposited his dirty clothes and towel. Why'd you help me? Stanley asked. Zero turned around. 
You didn't steal the sunflower seeds, he said. So, neither did you, said Stanley. Zero stared at him. His eyes seemed to expand, and it was almost as if Zero were looking right through him. You didn't steal the sneakers, he said. Stanley said nothing. He watched Zero walk out of the tent. If anybody had x-ray vision, it was Zero. Wait, he called, then hurried out after him. Zero had stopped just outside the tent, and Stanley almost ran into him. I'll try to teach you to read if you want, Stanley offered. I don't know if I know how to teach, but I'm not that worn out today, since you dug a lot of my hole. A big smile spread across Zero's face. They returned to the tent, where they were less likely to be bothered. Stanley got his box of stationery and a pen out of his crate. They sat on the ground. Do you know the alphabet? Stanley asked. For a second, he thought he saw a flash of defiance in Zero's eyes. But then it passed. I think I know some of it, Zero said. A, B, C, D. Keep going, said Stanley. Zero's eyes looked upward. E, F, said Stanley. G, said Zero. He blew some air off the side of his mouth. H, I, K, P. H, I, J, K, L. Stanley said. That's right, said Zero. I've heard it before. I just don't have it memorized exactly. That's all right, said Stanley. Here, I'll say the whole thing. Just refresh your memory, and then you can try it. He recited the alphabet for Zero, and then Zero repeated it without a single mistake. Not bad for a kid who had never seen Sesame Street. Older listeners don't know this, but younger listeners do, and younger parents definitely do. Did y'all know they changed the sound of the alphabet song? Yeah, so where we used to go A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, Elemental P, they don't do that anymore. Now it goes A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, Oh, I'm sorry, L-M-N-O-P-Q-R-S-T-U. Yeah, it's wild. It's wild. It's a lot. I don't like it. But I don't have kids who's that age, so I don't get a chance to shout at the teachers. Teach it right, darn you! Teach it right! Also, the name for my first band on Rock Band was going to be Elemental P. After you know Elemental P. Don't steal it. Well... I've heard it before, somewhere, Zero said, trying to act as if it was nothing. But his big smile gave him away. The next step was harder. Stanley had to figure out how to teach him to recognize each letter. He gave Zero a piece of paper and took a piece for himself. I guess we'll start with A. He printed a capital A, and then Zero copied it on his sheet of paper. The paper wasn't lined which made it more difficult. But Zero's A wasn't bad, just a little big. Stanley told him he needed to write smaller, or else they'd run out of paper real quick. Zero printed it smaller. Actually, 
There's two ways to write each letter, Stanley said as he realized this was going to be even harder than he thought. That's capital A. But usually, you'll see a small a. You only have capitals at the beginning of a word, and only if it's the start of a sentence, or if it's a proper noun, like a name. Zero nodded as if he understood, but Stanley knew that he had made very little sense. He printed a lowercase a, and Zero copied it. So there's 52, said Zero. Stanley didn't know what he was talking about. Instead of 26 letters, there are really 52. Stanley looked at him, surprised. I guess that's right. How'd you figure that out? He asked. Zero said nothing. Did you add? Zero said nothing. Did you multiply? That's just how many there are, said Zero. Stanley raised and lowered one shoulder. He didn't even know how Zero knew there were 26 in the first place. Did he count them as he recited them? He had Zero write a few more upper and lowercase a's, and then he moved on to a capital B. This was going to take a long time, he realized. You could teach me ten letters a day, suggested Zero. Five capitals and five smalls. After five days, I'll know them all. Except for the last day, I'll have to do twelve. Six capitals and six smalls. Again, Stanley stared at him, amazed that he was able to figure all that out. Zero must have thought he was staring for a different reason, because he said, I'll dig part of your hole every day. I can dig for about an hour, and then you could teach me for an hour. And since I'm a faster digger anyway, our holes will get finished at about the same time. I won't have to wait for you. Okay, Stanley agreed. As Zero was printing his bees, Stanley asked him how he figured out it would take five days. Did you multiply? Did you divide? That's just what it is, Zero said. It's good math, said Stanley. I'm not stupid, Zero said. I know everybody thinks I am. I just don't like answering their questions. And parents, teachers, whoever's listening to this, that's a lesson to you. If you treat a kid like they're dumb or if you treat a kid like they're less than, they're going to recognize that and they're going to stop interacting with you. They're going to stop opening up to you. So don't do it. It's not nice. Later that night, as he lay on his cot, Stanley reconsidered the deal he had made with Zero. Getting a break every day would be a relief, but he knew X-Ray wouldn't like it. He wondered if there might be some way Zero would agree to dig part of X-Ray's hole as well. But then again, why should he? I'm the one teaching Zero. I need the break so I have enough energy to teach him. I'm the one who took the blame for the sunflower seeds. I'm the one who Mr. Sower is mad at. He closed his eyes, and images from the warden's cabin floated inside his head. Her red fingernails, Mr. Sir writhing on the floor, her flowered makeup kit. He opened his eyes. He suddenly realized where he saw the gold tube before. He had seen it in his mother's bathroom, and he seen it again in the warden's cabin. It was half of a lipstick container. KB? KB? He felt a jolt of astonishment. His mouth silently formed the name Kate Barlow, as he wondered if it really could have belonged to the kissing outlaw. 110 years ago, Green Lake was the largest lake in Texas. It was full of clear, cool water, 
and it sparkled like a giant emerald in the sun. It was especially beautiful in the spring, when the peach trees, which lined the shore, bloomed with pink and rose-colored blossoms. There was always a town picnic on the 4th of July. They play games, dance, sing, and swim in the lake to keep cool. Prizes were awarded for the best peach pie and peach jam. A special prize was given each year to Miss Catherine Barlow for her fabulous spiced peaches. No one else even tried to make spiced peaches, because they knew none could be as delicious as hers. Every summer, Miss Catherine would pick bushels of peaches and preserve them in jars with cinnamon, cloves, nutmeg, and other spices which she kept secret. The jarred peaches would last all summer. They probably would have lasted a lot longer than that, but they were always eaten by the end of winter. It was said that Green Lake was heaven on earth, and that Miss Catherine's spiced peaches were food for the angels. Catherine Barlow was the town's only school teacher. She taught in an old one-room schoolhouse. It was old even then. The roof leaked. The windows wouldn't open. The door hung crooked on its bent hinges. She was a wonderful teacher, full of knowledge and full of life. The children loved her. She taught classes in the evening for adults, and many of the adults loved her as well. She was very pretty. Her classes were often full of young men, who were a lot more interested in the teacher than they were in getting an education. But all they ever got was an education. One such young man was Trout Walker. His real name was Charles Walker, but everyone called him Trout because his two feet smelled like a couple of dead fish. This wasn't entirely Trout's fault. He had an incurable foot fungus. In fact, it was the same foot fungus that 110 years later would afflict the famous ball player Clyde Livingston. But at least Clyde Livingston showered every day. I take a bath every Sunday morning, Trout would brag, whether I need to or not. Most everyone in the town of Green Lake expected Miss Catherine to marry Trout Walker. He was the son of the richest man in the county. His family owned most of the peach trees and all the land on the east side of the lake. Trout often showed up at night school, but never paid attention. He talked in class and was disrespectful to the students around him. He was loud and stupid. A lot of men in town were not educated. That didn't bother Miss Catherine. She knew they spent most of their lives working on farms and ranches that hadn't had much schooling. That's why she was there, to teach them. But Trout didn't want to learn. He seemed to be proud of his stupidity. How'd you like to take a ride on my new boat this Saturday? He asked her one evening after class. No, thank you, said Miss Catherine. We got a brand new boat, he said. You don't even have to row it. Yes, I know, said Miss Catherine. Everyone in town had seen and heard the walker's new boat. It made a horrible loud noise and spewed ugly black smoke over the beautiful lake. Trout had always gotten everything he ever wanted. He found it hard to believe that Miss Catherine had turned him down. He pointed his finger to her and said, No one ever says no to Charles Walker. I believe I just did, said Catherine Barlow. Chapter 24 Stanley was half asleep as he got in line for breakfast, but the sight of Mr. Sir awakened him. The left side of Mr. Sir's face had swollen to the size of half a cantaloupe. There were three dark purple jagged lines running down his cheek where the warden had scratched him. The other boys in Stanley's tent had obviously seen Mr. Sir as well, 
but they had the good sense not to say anything. Stanley put a carton of juice and plastic spoon on his tray. He kept his eyes down and hardly breathed as Mr. Sir ladled some oatmeal-like stuff into his bowl. He brought his tray to the table. Behind him, a boy from one of the other tents said, Hey, what happened to your face? There was a crash. Stanley turned to see Mr. Sir holding the boy's head against the oatmeal pot. Is something wrong with my face? The boy tried to speak, but couldn't. Mr. Sir had him by the throat. Does anyone see anything wrong with my face? Asked Mr. Sir, as he continued to choke the boy. Nobody said anything. Mr. Sir let the boy go. His head banged against the table as he fell to the ground. Mr. Sir stood over him and said, How does my face look to you now? A gurgling sound came out of the boy's mouth. Then he managed to gasp the word, Fine. I'm kind of handsome, don't you think? Yes, Mr. Sir. Out on the lake, the other boys asked Stanley if he knew about Mr. Sir's face. But he just shrugged and dug his hole. If he didn't talk about it, maybe it would go away. He worked as hard and as fast as he could, not trying to pace himself. He just wanted to get off the lake and away from Mr. Sir as soon as possible. Besides, he knew he'd get a break. Whenever you're ready, just let me know, Zeroy said. The first time the water truck came, it was driven by Mr. Pendansky. The second time, Mr. Sir was driving. No one said anything except thank you, Mr. Sir, as he filled each canteen. No one even dared to look at his grotesque face. As Stanley waited, he ran his tongue over the roof of his mouth and the inside of his cheeks. His mouth was as dry and parched as a lake. The bright sun reflected off the side mirror of the truck, and Stanley had to shield his eyes with his hand. Thank you, Mr. Sir, said Magnet, as he took his canteen from him. You thirsty, caveman? Mr. Sir asked. Yes, Mr. Sir, Stanley said, handing his canteen to him. Mr. Sir opened the nozzle, and the water flowed out of the tank, but it did not go into Stanley's canteen. Instead, he held the canteen right next to the stream of water. Stanley watched the water splatter on the dirt, worlds quickly absorbed by the thirsty ground. Mr. Sir let the water run for about 30 seconds, then stopped. You want more? Stanley didn't say anything. Mr. Sir turned the water back on, and again, Stanley watched it pour into the dirt. There. That should be plenty. He handed Stanley his empty canteen. Stanley stared at the dark spot on the ground, which quickly shrank before his eyes. Thank you, Mr. Sir, he said. 916-633-1537, Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com, Ratchet Book Club on Twitter, Ratchet Book Club on Facebook. Uh, you can leave a review on Podchaser. The cool thing about it is you can leave a review for this episode or for the show as a whole. Uh, you can then copy that that review and paste it directly on the Apple Podcast where you can leave a review for us there. And then you can copy that review and you can leave it on Good Pods. I appreciate each and every one of them. 
Uh, you can also leave a donation at patreon.com slash single simulcast or at buymeacoffee.com slash sscast. Uh, you can donate to the show direct at the tip cup on uh, Good Pods, which is an app. So download that. Thank you so much for listening. It really irritates me when adults bully children. But it's only a book, you know? And it's a good book. I love this book. So that's the only gripe I got about it. That and the fat shaming. And how they make zero feel. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. I greatly appreciate it. I'll holler at y'all later. Y'all be good. Peace. Outro to Ratchet Book Club is by that kid Garan and it's called Goodbyes. You can email him at tkgbeats94 at gmail.com for more information on how to lease this beat. This is Single Simulcast.